0: Man, I like that guy. He's all right. I I told the first service, I said, you remember when uh, the first time you heard your voice on a recording of some sort and you're thinking, who in the world is that? And uh, I still feel that way, a little self-conscious when I see myself on screen. Man, I'm glad you're here today. I, take your devices, your Bibles, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter, it was written by Simon Peter, who was uh, one of the apostles, one of the disciples that followed closely with Jesus. Uh, it's towards the end of the book, end of the New Testament, and uh, we've been in it now for uh, for a couple of months, and so hopefully it's become a, a kind of a worn place in your Bible. You can find it pretty quickly there. But we're going to be in chapter five, and we've got a couple of weeks left in, in First Peter. And I, I, for you that are, are new, we uh, one of the reasons I wanted to study this book in depthly is because I think it relates to us so much. Now, uh, to give you a little background, these are Christians he's writing to, followers of Jesus. They're in what's considered modern-day Turkey, but they're scattered. They're not in their homeland. And and as followers of Jesus, they're kind of excluded anyway. And uh, Peter just reminds them of who they are in Christ, that they're treasured, that they're special to the Lord, that he has has an incredible plan for them. However, he has to remind them that as long as they're on this planet, they're going to have struggles. You're going to have sufferings that are going to take place, but... It's like you're strangers and aliens here. You're passing through. This is not home for you. You're going to pass through here. But while you're here, you need to live life on mission. You need to live life as an ambassador for Christ. You need to live life in such a way that you're the best citizens, the best employers, the best employees, the best students, uh, the best that you can possibly be for the kingdom. You need to be while you're here to make impact for other people. Now... He was sharing that 2,000 years ago in about 64 A.D. to some Christians then. But I think the message is still the same today. Wherever you're at, you're an ambassador for Christ. You're living life on mission for Jesus in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you may be. You're you're to be light and salt in that very place. And so that's what we've been looking at. Now, today in chapter 5 he is uh, speaking specifically to a group of people you see all of us answer to somebody uh, in our spiritual life we we uh, we put ourselves under teaching we put ourselves under shepherding we put ourselves in in certain positions under spiritual leadership but also you lead wherever you may be you may lead your family you may lead your workplace wherever you may lead we all lead too but today he's going to be speaking specifically to leadership uh, that are going to be over these people. And so I think God's really going to use it to speak to you because it speaks specifically to elders and pastors, but uh, it's going to get there. So 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, and let's read the, the first four verses that are there. It says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over us, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And I know somebody's going to think, well, Mark. Man, you're speaking to elders and pastors. Uh, why don't you do this at a pastor's conference instead of on a Sunday morning? I believe we all leave. But I want to talk about pastors uh, just a moment and elders. And when you see certain terms, elders, pastors, overseers, they're synonymous in, in, uh, in, in the verbiage there. But I came across an ancient pastor job description. Uh, this is what they report. We do not have a happy report to give. We've not been able to find a suitable candidate for this church, though we have one promising prospect still. We do appreciate all the suggestions from the church members, and we followed up each one with interviews or calling at least three references. The following is our confidential report on the present candidates. Adam, good man but problems with his wife. Also, one reference told of how his wife and he enjoy walking nude in the woods. Noah, former pastor of 120 years with no converts, prone to unrealistic building projects. Joseph, a big thinker but a braggart, believes in dream interpreting and has a prison record. Moses, a modest and meek man but poor communicator, even stuttering at times, sometimes blows his stack and acts rashly. Some way he left an earlier church over a murder charge. David, the most promising leader of all until we discovered the affair he had with his neighbor's wife. Elijah, prone to depression. Elisha, reported to have lived with a single widow while at the former church. Hosea, a tender and loving pastor, but our people would never handle his wife's occupation. Jonah, refused God's call into ministry until he was forced to obey by getting swallowed by a great fish. He told us that fish later spit him out on the shore near here. uh, We hung up. John says he's a Baptist, but definitely doesn't dress like one. Has slept in the outdoors for months on end, has a weird diet, and provokes denominational leaders. Peter, too blue collar, has a bad temper, even is known to curse. Had a big run in with Paul in Antioch, aggressive, but a loose cannon. Paul? Paul? Powerful CEO type and fascinating preacher, however short on tact, unforgiving with younger ministers, harsh and has been known to preach all night. Timothy, too young. Jesus has had popular times, but once when his church grew to 5,000, he managed to offend them all and his church dwindled down to 12 people. Seldom, Seldom stays in one place very long and of course he's a single. Judas. His references are solid, steady plotter, conservative, good connections, knows how to handle money. We're inviting him to preach this Sunday. Possibilities here. So that was the ancient church pastor job description. You know, all uh, uh, pastoring is a is a unique thing, and uh, being an elder and overseer in a church is is interesting. And I know. That, uh, today when we, when you unpack this, some of you are going to look through eyes at your current elders and pastors. And some of you need to look about your own leadership and how God has established you as a leader. Remember, these people are hurting. They're suffering. And so Peter is wanting to encourage these overseers of these people, these spiritual leaders for these people and how they need to lead them correctly. And so we're going to look at the shepherd's flock. We're going to look at the shepherd's function. We're going to look at the shepherd's faithfulness. And then we're going to look at the shepherd's failure. Not a future. That's not good. Failure. (laughs) Future. Future. There we go. So let's look at the shepherd's flock just a moment. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, To the elders among you. And elders is a term that both the Jews and the Greeks would understand. The Jews... Use the term elder to mean wise, mature one. And the Greeks, basically the same thing. Those who had maturity and seasoning in them. So they would under, understand the terminology. To the elders among you, I appeal. He is begging. He, he's speaking this with, from his gut. As a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who share in the glory, be shepherds of God's flock. Isn't it interesting that of all the terms, of all the animals... That God could have used to describe his people, he chose a sheep. I mean, I, I just did a mind check of all of the mascots for football teams that I know. Now, granted, I found the rams, but that's a ram is a whole different a- animal than, than the sheep. Uh, but you see, you see, uh, tigers and you see lions, you see eagles, and you see bears that are 9 and oh All of a sudden, did you know that? Uh, I thought I would throw that in there. You, You see these aggressive animal types, but what did God choose? God chose a sheep, and he chose those that would watch over them called shepherds, and he calls himself the chief shepherd. And I think he had purpose behind this, but I know you're thinking, that That's kind of a docile animal. I want you to see this video I found. So you want to be a pastor, you want to be a shepherd, watch this. <laughs> I love that. You know, so you want to be a shepherd, Uh sheep bite. I mean, uh, you know, some people say, man, I think I could be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. That is what it's like a lot of times in taking care of sheep. But here's some things about sheep that that we do know. First of all, you know, sheep are weak uh, animals. And I know somebody's going to come up to me afterwards and say, Mark, I've worked with sheep and FFA and all this kind of stuff. But sheep are weak, and it's it's been known that they will drown because of their even if they get in the water, their wool get heavy and they'll drown. They're they're just a weak animal. They don't really have a defense mechanism in them. They will follow strangers. They they have predators that take advantage of them all the time. I was I was reading about sheep this week, and I read about a group of sheep that uh the shepherds there was a huge flock, I mean like fifteen hundred in the flock, and they the shepherds had turned their backs and they were working on something over here, and the sheep started going off the cliff, and they would just follow the other one off the cliff, and the first uh, couple of hundred died to their death, but then the rest just fell on the the wool, and so they survived, but yeah. I thought, man that 's crazy how that so it's not only weak in their physical makeup but their thinking is is weak as well and 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 sheep are weak and i think about us and i think about all of us as followers of Jesus you know there's times we're just weak we we just don't uh, we we don't defend ourselves well and especially spiritually we need others to help oversee us but not only the weak but their wanderers Um, there's a hymn called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's a great, great old hymn and I love it. And there is my motto line right there in the middle of that song. It says this, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't know if you're like me, but that describes me so often. Because here's the deal. If I do not walk in the Spirit, my default Flesh is prone to wander from God. It just is that way. And so I have this tendency to wander away from God. Even when I even when I think I'm doing right, my motives and, and, and tend to make me wander. And uh, it's been said before that sheep will nibble themselves into lostness. They will just eat a little here, eat a little there, and the next thing you know is they've nibbled themselves into lostness. And does that not describe the human nature, especially in our culture? We will eat a little bit of it here and a little bit there, false teaching here, this kind of thing here, and the next thing you know is we've just embraced the whole culture and we've drifted away from God. We we find ourselves weak. We find ourselves wandering. But here's the good news. And I think that this is where God saw it. Sheep were incredible worth. Incredible worth. Especially to the Jew because they they used the the lamb as a symbol of the sacrifice that needed to be made that was ultimately going to come in Jesus. But yet for a basic sheep, his wool provided everything that people would need. The meat would be there. The little ones that would come along. The sheep was of incredible worth. And so when, when God chose to name his flock sheep, he knew exactly what he was doing. But still, with the weakness and the wandering... There needed to be some that would t- take care of the sheep. And this is where the elders, the overseers, the shepherds would come in, the pastors would come in. And so the, that was the flock. But let's look at the function of these elders. Let's look at the function of these, these shepherds that would be here. Number one is they would be there to guard the sheep. The sheep were not going to be able to fight for themselves they were going to need to guard the sheep. They, they were going to be able to take care of them. And especially of their spiritual needs, because false teachers would spring up all the time. Just like today, there are false teachers that happen. And you know, Jesus addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, beware of false teachers that come at you in sheep's clothing, but they're inwardly ravenous wolves. In other words, they're going to put up a good front but their motives are completely to lead you astray. And tell me if we don't see this in our culture today. Even within the church, you have people that will share things that you think think they want to hear so that they will tickle your ears. Oh, I'm going to follow that because it makes me feel so good. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about suffering here because it's the truth of God's Word. And so... There, There is this need for pastors, for overseers to bring, to to guard, to guard and to know the sheep and to be able to protect them and to guard them. I, I was reading a story this week also about in World War I, they, there was a group of Turkish soldiers that came upon all of these sheep in this village. And so they just decided to apprehend them and take them away. And these shepherds were wondering, what can we do about this? And as the soldiers were taking all of the, the sheep away, one young shepherd had this idea. He he knew that his sheep would know his call. So he went up on the precipice so that he could call out over the ravine where they are. And he called out his distinct call for his distinct sheep. And what those sheep is, all of a sudden they perked up, they turned, and they ran away from these soldiers that had apprehended them. And I thought, man, Lord, that's what we need. We need to have the truth so instilled in us that when we're prone to wander, when that truth and that voice of truth comes, we run quickly back to safety to where the Father is. So one of the functions of these elders was to uh, bring to guard. But number two, they were to guide. Any shepherd is going to guide his uh, flock. He's going to guide them out of danger, and he's going to guide them to uh, places to eat, where the good food is. And he is going to guide them in that way, out of trouble and to life. That is what they're going to do. It's the same way about these elders, these pastors, these overseers that Peter is talking to. You're, you're going to have to take these people because the world is coming against them. They're trembling. They need to be guarded in this, but you need to guide them to life in the midst of it. There was a there was a a a father who owned sheep, and one of those sheep had gotten out of a place in the pen. And the uh, father was explaining to his son. He said to his small son. He said, "Son, one of them got away, but the good news is they got out of the hole in the pen. But what we did is we found him and brought him back." And the little boy said, "But dad, did we fix the hole?" And, and that's part of the deal about pastors and overseers and shepherds. They need to fix the holes. They need to be able to point those out and guide into safety correctly. So they, they, they're there to guard. They're there to guide. But thirdly, the shepherds and the pastors and the overseers are there to grow, to take you to good food. Any sheep, any shepherd with sheep is going to feed them properly. He wants them to get fat. He wants them to get healthy. He wants that wool to grow. He wants to take care of his sheep. He wants to feed them good. And it's the same way spiritually for you. In my mind, if you come here on a Sunday and you come to gather and the fellowship is good and sweet and everything like that, but if you walk off this campus or drive off this campus and you have not been challenged to grow in your faith, it's been a wasted day for me. Now, it's not all me doing the feeding. You're getting feeding from a lot of different places. But it's not even your Bible fellowship teacher, or your or the, the youth, or the, uh, the students, or, or the children, or whatever. You need to learn to feed yourself. And so it's an equipping. Any good shepherd is going to try to equip you to get into the Word of God yourself, and to pray yourself so that you're growing. So a shepherd's function is to guard, he is to guide, and he is to grow. There's a lot of stuff out there on sheep. And I I discovered that one shepherd was interviewed, and, and, and the person said this to them. They said this, Will a sheep follow anyone? And they said, Not all the time. But the one that is really prone to go after anyone is a sheep that is sick. And I thought that was interesting. You know, if you are spiritually not doing well, you, you're in a, a cold way, you're, you've drifted in your time with the Lord, you've drifted away from the body, you've, you've started that drifting, then you're more prone to follow any voice. And I thought, oh man, what a task of the shepherd to make sure that the sheep are healthy and that they're guarded and that guides them and they grow. That's the function of the shepherd. But let's look at the faithfulness of the shepherd. Look look what he said in verse 2 and 3. He says, Be shepherds or be pastors of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must but because you are willing as god wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock notice there are three things here that i think are the faithfulness of a of a shepherd of god's uh, god's flock number 1 he says he says this you're willing not because you must, but you're willing as God wants you to be. The, the first thing I think about is any shepherd or pastor or elder has to be called. Not just anybody should want to do it. Not anybody, just anybody should do it. There needs to be a calling. I, I, people, people ask me sometimes, Mark, do you ever want to do something else and not be a pastor? I say every day, every day. And you're thinking, well, you think that way about your profession maybe every day. And it's not because of of, uh, not this burning desire. that's the whole deal that keeps me going is this burning call. I can't do anything else. Not that my skill set isn't there, but I just can't. God has put this burden on my heart to be a pastor. And our other pastors and our other elders, it's a calling that is there. So that is what... You know, let me put it this way. It's never those, oh, brother, Sunday's coming again. i got to get up there and talk to these people. It's never that. And it's never that of any of our elders or pastors. They they do it because they get to, not because they have to. And it's like Jeremiah. I, I, I love to read Jeremiah. I just finished Jeremiah again in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah was a prophet, and he said this. He said, If I be quiet, it's like a fire inside my bones. In other words, I can't help but speak what God gives me. So, number one, there has to be a calling. But number two, notice what uh, Peter says. Eager to serve. Uh, You must be serving. You must be eager to serve. Not only are you called, but you must be eager to serve. Not to lord over people. Uh, This is the way I look at it. See... Jesus, believe it or not, if you did not know this, Jesus was radical. Everything he taught in the New Testament is radical. It really goes against the grain of culture. And especially when we read Peter. And the way I look at it, I mean, look what he says. You need to be the best citizens. You need to be the best. uh, He talks about slaves and masters. But you need to be the best employees, the best employers, the best students. You need to have the best homes. Everything about you ought to go against the culture that you live in because you're strangers and aliens here. And that message is still the same today. We ought to be different, people. We ought to be different. But we look at this and we see that we need to be eager to serve. So what I tell our pastors and elders is this. I say, forget org charts. Yes, we have chains of command that we we work together. But forget org charts and flip it over because we as the pastors and elders ought to be the main feet washers in this church. Because that's what the Lord told us is to be servants of all. That means we flip the org charts. It's not that we elevate anybody other than Jesus and we want to serve. So eager to serve. The third thing is this. Not only called, not only eager to serve, but this is what Peter says. Being an example to the flock. Being an example to the flock. It scares me today. Uh, I know there's a lot of information out there and it's not like maybe things are new. We, we just get bombarded with stuff. But it seems like weekly there is another pastor or, I hate to use this term, Christian celebrity that is falling. We even saw it this past week. We saw it the week before. We seem to see it on a regular basis. People that are spiritual. Man, I hate to use this word. Celebrities. People that are in the know falling. And and if it's happening on that level, think what is happening on this level. It's just happening. But Peter lays it out there that these shepherds must be examples. You must set the course. You must... You must be out there in front of people. Perfect? No. No. Not perfection. But at least pursuing. Pursuing Christ. In my marriage. In my family. In my community. Am I am I setting some course that others can follow? That's what Peter is getting across here. There was a a reporter. And he was going to do a report in Africa at a leper colony. And he went to this colony and there was a young lady who was ministering to these lepers. She would take their bandages off, clean their sores, go to another one, do the same thing. And finally, he got her attention and he said this to her. He said, I want you to know I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And she looked at him with a compassion in her eyes and she said, neither would I. She was doing it because God had so transformed her life, she couldn't help but serve in that area and set an example. Whether the pay was there or not. And you know, that's, that's the deal about the faithfulness of a shepherd. Listen, I'll be the first to tell you I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. But I'm pursuing the chief shepherd. And that's what we need to do. What about the f- the future of the shepherd? The shepherd's future. Notice verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory That will never fade away. The chief shepherd there is referring to Jesus. And when Jesus appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. What's the crown of glory? That's kind of a weird terminology. You know, runners today in the Olympics run for gold, silver, bronze, but they also run for endorsements. They get a lot of money. They get a lot of publicity accolades from winning. In the New Testament, they had two major games. You had the Olympic Games, you had the Isthmus Games. And uh, in these these games, the runner would run in such a way that when they ran on this podium, on this pedestal in front of them, would be this crown. Now, it's not a gold crown. It's not a, a wealthy crown. It is a crown that was made of laurel leaves. Some said they were made of parsley. Imagine you're running for a bowl of salad basically to put on your head and you're you're coming in to run and you keep your eyes on that goal which is what you're running for because of the recognition that will come with that. It's not a value on this earth, it's a value uh, to to win the prize. What Peter is saying here, shepherds, listen. You you need you need to love the sheep. You need to know the sheep You need to guide the sheep. You need to guard the sheep. You need to grow the sheep. You need to walk in faithfulness. You need to walk a life that is an example and a calling, eager to serve. You need to do these things because one day you're going to stand before me, the chief shepherd, and you're going to receive this crown of glory that you will receive. Now... What all will do to that crown of glory? Many think we will take those crowns and just throw them at the feet of Jesus. What good is a bowl of salad in heaven? I don't know. But you will take that and you will throw it at Jesus' feet. Whatever. But I know this. I know that for all of us, as followers of Jesus, one day we will step out of here into eternity. And that's where I am am so much pleading with you. If you do not know Jesus, to know Him. To know that not only has He given us life here to the fullest, but He has given us life eternal through His Son Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for us. I, I end with this because it's my favorite story. And, uh, I've shared it before, but it, it just, it just hits so well into this message. When we think about shepherds and pastors and overseers and elders and However you lead, how you lead your family. And, you know, I, I just say one other thing before I share the story. You know, we baptize here, and uh, we will be baptized. I'm pointing at that. Somebody's a guest, and they're thinking, what in the world are you pointing at? There's a baptistry behind that uh, screen right there. And uh, we, a lot of times, you know, we will have family members, especially dads, baptize. And say, well, why do you do that? Do the Scriptures not say who's supposed to be baptized? And they really don't. They're really silent. I've done a study in that area, and they're really silent. And I love a dad to baptize his kids because, dads, you're the pastor of your family. And so you oversee, you guide, you guard, you grow your family. You're called to do that. So that's one other step. But there was a small town. And in this small town... They there was a pastor that had been there forever, you know, those pastors that had been around when kids were born, had done their weddings, baptized them, done some of their funerals, you know, had been there forever. Old pastor. But also in this town, there grew up a young man who was became a very successful actor. And he had gone away and the actor was going to come back to town. So what are do they doing? We're going to have a party. We're going to have a, a time for the actor as he's come back. And we want to we want to celebrate him and, and what he's done for our community and everything. So they come back and they have a big party. And, and this one guy has this idea. And he's thinking, I, I'll kind of embarrass the pastor out of it probably, but but this is what I want to do. So he got everybody together and he said, here's what I want to do. He said, he said you, the actor, what, what I want you to do is I want you to quote the 23rd Psalm. And then pastor, I want you to do the same thing. And so everybody says, yeah, that'll be great. So the the actor stands up in all his brashness and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes through the 23rd Psalm and his dramatic voice. And when he's done, everybody claps. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Okay, pastor, it's your turn. The pastor slowly gets out of the chair and begins to speak in his voice that had been preaching for many, many years and gotten weak and, and kind of cracking. And he simply quoted the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. And when he finished, there was no applause. There was just a stillness that came over the audience. Tears in eyes. And somebody asked the actor, what made the difference? And the actor said, said, you see, I know the psalm, but the pastor, he knows the shepherd. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between being a spiritual celebrity and being an overseer pastor. I can't say this. I said it last week, how honored I am to serve with these fellow pastors and elders in this congregation. Because I know that what I read here in 1 Peter chapter 5, they're shooting for it.